0: It's okay to get frustrated. You're a robot, right? A meat shaped robot? No, meat made robot. Not sure. <laughs> a meat, a robot of meat. Uh, like you know, like you, like all those responses that you're having are just like your robot doing robot stuff. You know, like that's just. Like how, I like how you
1: phrase this as like you're a person, you're a robot. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 299 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam and
0: I'm impressed with all of that diction. I'm Sam and I got long hair now. And this is a show where we talk, wait, now? Yeah, So Sorry, now. we'll get into that. This is... <laughs> This is a
1: show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is February nineteenth, twenty twenty-one. Dunk on everyone. Grab a
0: beer because it's February. Yeah, that's
1: right. Now, before we get started, we have a warning: there will be profanity in this show. So you know, just enjoy. Uh, we'd also like to thank our supporters over at MoneyGrab.BScotch.net. We got a we got some new, we got new people. There's some
0: fresh ones on the line. Ooh. Some fresh
1: ones. Uh, ye old indie guy, aka Adrian Nelson, says. Uh, I finally finished listening to all of your back catalog of podcasts. Oh, wow. That's a lot. <laughs> wow, have you and me been on a wild ride. Really yeah. enjoy the podcast <laughs> and look forward to it at the end of every week. Plus, I like the new Dev Chat Weekly newsletter. Sweet.
0: Oh, thanks. Speaking Ooh. of the Dev Chat Weekly newsletter, uh, we've had four of them now. And they're also the archives are up. Each one links to the archives. so They're uh, good. You, sh- you should go sign up. I don't yet have a thing where when you sign up, I send you an email that's like, hey, here's the archives. Hey, you- but, you know, someday, someday we'll add that in there. Uh, Someday But yeah Go to tinybs.co Slash dev chat
1: Yes Uh, And we'll talk more About the dev chat A little bit later In the episode Yeah Uh, We'd also like to Thank CB Game Dev For uh, supporting the podcast Who says Fellow game dev here Love the podcast You guys always make me laugh Keep up the great work Thank you very much And of course Our recurring supporters Are also just like We're just grabbing Their money too We're just getting Oh my god We grabbed so much money today I'm very excited So good About this uh, let's talk about life. Let's talk about the world. Let's talk about another world. <gasps> Mars. Let's talk about fricking Mars. Yeah. NASA sent the Perseverance rover to Mars a long time ago, actually. Like seven months ago, they sent <laughs> yeah. it. It got there uh, this this past week. They must have sent it uh, via
0: USPS. Yeah.
1: yeah. They've they been having some slowdowns. It's got to the Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh so this this freaking this little thing went for seven months at twelve thousand miles per hour, went to Mars, used rockets to slow down to two miles per hour, and then used a sky crane to lower
0: this rover oh, wait a onto the surface. Was it did they is this a thing that they've already done in the past, or was the thing I saw about this years ago their computational like thing for what they were going to do with this one?
1: I believe they also used a sky crane for the Curiosity okay, the gonna, I watched
0: approach. that fucking video at at the time years ago. I watched the yeah. thing happen, and I was like, I was also playing Kerbal Space Program at the time. I'm pretty sure, but mm. I was like, what in God's name? Like, who? <laughs> it, it sounded it sounded like the kind of thing that like a bunch of kids would get together and they would like in their little imaginary you know place headspace would conceive of like the the coolest shit you could do, right? <laughs> Yeah, uh, and like oh yeah it's gonna come down on rockets and then like it, it's not just gonna land though because that's not very interesting instead it's gonna have a a crane on it which sounds so like dumb and impractical sky right? sky crane yeah sp- <laughs> yeah exactly well, we'll call it a sky crane because now it's cool right and it's gonna it's gonna use that sky crane to like drop this little thing and then that thing's gonna be covered in because that was that 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 one was also covered in like like just a balloons right so it could just bounce once it fell or was that a different one I don't think so I think so. that was okay. a different one that was a different yeah. one in any, in any event yeah. like NASA's attempts to throw things onto Mars is f- f- it's incredible it's just incredible great yeah. theater you know
1: so I mean and, and also I was very impressed because I noticed that NASA had LED, had blue LED strips in their uh, command center when Ooh. they were live streaming and I was like dope <laughs> I mean yes it's like it's super cool that you guys went to Mars and stuff but man those aren't some nice LED strips mm-hmm. I'm a little more impressed with the decorating positions. <laughs> Uh, so the, the idea of Perseverance was to go to a, a, a place on Mars where there is evidence of uh, ancient liquid water. Mm. And they're thinking, if there were organic compounds or even single-cell life forms from billions of years ago, then this rover would be able to take samples of soil, like drill down, whatever, and try to figure out – you know, are there billions of years old dead bacteriums or something? Something's vaguely resembling
0: that. Um, probably not, though, you know? Probably not. <laughs> probably not. <laughs> not. But maybe. Not only probably not, I think it's one of those things that it always sounds really cool and like there's good reasons to check these particular spots and all of this, right? But the scale is so off base from what you're trying to accomplish because your your question here is like, are there organic molecules on Mars – That – actually, it's not even that. It's, was there life on Mars? And then what evidence could it have left behind? And then how would we find that evidence, right? But if that life was there a few billion years ago of some form we don't understand or know anything about, and now we're sending a tiny-ass robot – I mean, it's actually the size of an SUV, but, like, tiny-ass relative to the scope of Mars, right Mm –
1: Relative it's, to the scope of the problem. Of the problem
0: right. <laughs> and, it, and they were like, ooh, it's going to dig down. It's like, how fucking far? A foot? You know, like it's not going <laughs> yeah. it's, it's not digging. You know, it's not like a mining a piece of mining equipment. So it's going to like, oh yeah, I'm thinking of, I'm trying to think of like a good comparison of like if you were trying to discover something, you know, if you were trying to, if you were trying to like, I don't know, if you're trying to like find the source of a leak in your house, you know, and then you just looked at and. A little one-inch segment of one pipe, and we're like, mm, "That's not leaking." I guess there must not be one, right? Like that's kind yeah. of what this yeah. is.
1: Well, of course, th- there wouldn't be the uh, there wouldn't be the conclusion that there is no life if it doesn't find any, yeah, <clears throat> or that there was no life rather. It would just be that. Well, I guess this time, you know, we didn't find anything. Yeah, but uh yeah, I mean, I think what's crazy about it is, is that <clears throat> this, you know, these rovers that they send and they take years to build and. 7 months plus to get there and um but all they can do is like whatever whatever was kind of predecided right and i think that's that's the the real kicker is the rover will land and then like whatever very specific instruments that it has that's all the information you're going to get mm-hmm. right like whatever whatever ways it has of measuring chemical compositions whatever's the resolution of its camera like it's, does it have a, a like an electron microscope? I don't probably not. I don't think it has one of those, right? <laughs> <So> like
0: <laughs> but this is I mean, this is true for any scientific endeavor, right? It just it feels it, it because of the fact that we had to throw a robot onto another planet, you know, uh from like a is it millions of miles away, I assume it is. Like really fucking far away, right? It's if it's quite far. It's very far away. So we we like throw a robot <laughs> onto a planet to like investigate this, but it's actually no and, and like and the scale, it's the scale is easy to understand because it's a tiny robot on a huge planet, right? And we don't know anything. We just sent it with whatever instruments that we had available, right? But the reality is that that's how all of science is done. It's just a little less dramatic, right? But like, yeah. in, in the lab that I worked in, it was we were, we were trying to study single cells and how they do different things, and how did we do it? It's like well. We had we had these cells that we had available that other people had created, right? And some of them got these instruments. Yeah, we've got these These instruments, (laughs) right? That we could afford to buy with our grant money or that we have access to because our institution has them. And then we have to like rent space on them. So we have limited time in which we can use them. So we have to design our experiments to make sure we can like get as many answers as we can, as quick as we can there. Each instrument, if it's a microscope, it's like maybe maybe it can see three fluorescent colors, you know? So like that limits how many probes we can put on our Mm -hmm. cells. There's like there's just this huge set of like of restrictions to get, and then you're basically saying, "Okay, I want to know how something really fundamental and cool works about life, right? Uh, but I only have a thousand dollars, five hours, access to and this three piece colors, of equipment. <laughs> and three colors, right? And now you're supposed to go answer those fucking questions? Yeah, that's the, that's just how all of it works. I think it's just it just really is kind of obvious how futile the exercise is when you throw a tiny robot on a huge planet, you know? (laughs)
1: Yeah. Yeah. It really perfectly kind of encapsulates the problem of, yeah, of the limited resources available to humans relative to the scope of trying to understand everything that's going on around us, you know, but still,
0: still very cool. It's very cool. So (laughs) so fun. Yeah. I think it's the the whole, like that, that arrival of the rover on the planet is such an exciting thing that it's it's almost to me, it's like, if the thing can land, then everyone's excited. Like, finding stuff is sort of, you know, like, okay. Like, that'll be nice if it happens, but if it lands, like, that's the thing that we planned for, right? Uh, And that would be really cool. In the same way that I think, Adam, probably, and maybe you can speak to this in your experiments in the past, but, like, having your experiment work out so you could actually see the thing you were trying to see, even if you didn't learn anything after the fact, but, like, popping that microscope for the first time and being like, I see the colors that I attempt. Well, this is (laughs) the fundamental problem of like of regular science that isn't throwing robots at planets because regular science it's not exciting just to have the robot land, right? Or or when I say not exciting, I mean like uh, for everybody who you're trying to get to give you money. It doesn't give you funding. It doesn't give you funding exactly. Right?
1: Because what's the alternative? It crashed.
0: Yeah, that's you know, but for yeah, but for that's bad. It is right, but like (laughs) the. Having somebody manage to accomplish something like throw a robot on a planet a million miles away right with a seven month journey and have it like all work right where there 's an eight minute lag between it talking between you trying to talk to it and it talking back right so that it 's just on autopilot landing on a fucking planet at starting at twelve thousand miles per hour. the whole thing is so absurdist and amazing that. You're right. It doesn't matter. Actually, it could. It, they could have sent something there that didn't have any instruments at all. They could have sent That's an a, flag. A, yeah, you know? a cool RC car right. that just like does ramps off the big yeah. dunes of Mars. Everybody be yeah. like, yes. What if they sent a robot that just does the floss dance? And just, <laughs> just, just
1: all it, it just would land on Mars and just it would be solar powered. Oh, now that you just be perpetually <laughs> flossing. This is the kind that of thing that Elon no. Musk
0: would just do. <laughs> He would, and his, you know what? I would support that. I would like. Endeavor. I don't like the guy even a little bit, but I would. I'd be pay fair. good money to see a uh, robot yeah, floss on Mars. I would love to see that.
1: But he's trying to shoot things at Mars, which I can get behind. So you know, yep. Mm-hmm. He's a flawed individual. Yep. Uh, <laughs> all right. So, anyways, uh, you know, just wanted to definitely bring that to attention because it's something that doesn't happen very often yet. Yeah, well, and I think it's things also happening on Mars yeah,
0: in a more general point. Uh, it's important to do cool stuff and to be proud of the cool stuff that happened, independent of the actual outcome. You know, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, you can't pay bills that way because not enough people are that into cool stuff as much as they're into things that are supposedly practical. Um, though I think I would argue against most <laughs> most of those cases anyway. Uh, but like, again, yeah, just like if you do something cool, even if it leads to failure, like fucking celebrate that. Mm-hmm.
1: You know? Yeah, and this is also one of those things that that there's like two. It's like a binary outcome. Like, if it lands, it's incredible, and everybody's overjoyed. Mm-hmm. And if it crashes, it's horrible, and everyone's devastated, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And there's not really, like, a middle ground where, we're like, well, it sort of landed. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Most of the things that would keep it from landing would cause it to smash into the planet well, at 12,000 miles per well, hour. Actually, this is
0: interesting, too, right? Because the <laughs> the success-failure point of this mission, as far as the public is concerned, is whether it lands or crashes, right? Uh, and everything after that nobody's gonna pay attention nobody's even gonna care right uh like the scientists yeah. will care but nobody else will but that's the that's the interesting thing though right because supposedly the thing was sent to mars to learn something about mars not just to see if we could not just it, to right? land no, not <laughs> just to land there uh, and, and yeah you're right we people like would have been bummed if it crashed right but they won't be bummed if it doesn't find out anything interesting well i think this is the it's actually the same yeah. thing you know Wrapping it back to game dev, when you think, think about what what the game dev journey is. Something like getting a uh, getting level head out or getting crash sense two out, two to three years, mm-hmm. uh, aiming for a target that you can't quite see, mm-hmm. hurdling toward it at lightning speed, yep. with the decisions that you made oftentimes six twelve months ago being the thing that the determines <laughs> whether it works or not. It is and most and exciting to Yep. Yeah. When the sky crane works and the game arrives, you're like, yes. And I think, Uh you know, importantly for this, I think, Adam, to your point of, like, knowing which parts to celebrate and when, uh, depending on where you stop the story, it'll be either a a success story or a tragedy, right? Mm -hmm. Where it's like, so say you stop the story at the rover landing, and it landed. Amazing, right? Yeah, Hoorahs. And then you go, like, three months forward. The rover yeah, got. I didn't bite, find anything. Didn't find anything. Got blown over by the first steps storm. It got hit. Not like curiosity all at It was also nothing. All. <laughs> yep, <you> know, uh, <laughs> Huge <laughs> bumper, right? Uh, yep. Yeah. It's. I don't know. It's yeah, all yeah, well, it But then also
1: you, you can. can you can cast ahead even farther, right? Because like the curiosity rover's still fucking going. Mm-hmm.
0: That
1: thing is still going. It's just driving around Mars forever. Just <laughs> nothing stopping that thing, right? Like I don't really know if it has found anything necessarily life changing
0: I mean my life certainly hasn't been changed,
1: but it's <laughs> kind of like it's kind of awesome that it's still going yeah. yeah, like that's
0: a success, you know, yeah, so well, yeah, I think that's is is I think we focus too much on the things that we oh yeah in certain domains, we focus on the things that we can't control um, and then we don't celebrate the things that are impressive that we do control while Mm. in others usually things that we are not the ones doing we do exactly the opposite um which is not healthy you know because like when yeah you launch a game right the most important thing that you did there actually is lining up all the things creating the creating the game doing everything in your power that you could control to create it to line it up for success and then to hit go right that was Mm. that was the impressive shit that was the cool stuff and if you manage to do that with a functional game that people like that is high quality that you can be proud of, like, you did it. Right? You landed on Mars. You landed on Mars. The problem is, of course, you can't make money just from landing on Mars, right? <laughs> uh, but that isn't me. The rest isn't something to be bummed about from an achievement perspective. It's something you can be bummed about because like, oh, well, now I can't do this again because I didn't make any money, right? That's, like, that's a fair way to be bummed, but the way to be bummed where it's like, this was all for nothing. I didn't do a good thing. This wasn't impressive. Like none of that's yeah. True. Don't delete your dope Mars landing progress. You know, yeah, just because well, you didn't yeah. find life. Yeah. Well, well, you got to separate again, the like, two parts. Separate the part that you mm-hmm. control from the outcome of the part that you controlled, and evaluate those independently, and celebrate or be devastated by either. You know. <laughs>
1: yeah. Because the goal the goal wasn't to find life. The goal was to look for life. Yep. Because <laughs> yeah. you. You you can't find it if it's not there, right? There's no uh, you can't dictate the outcomes. So, anyways, very cool. Uh, let's talk about some studio news. More about it? So, so, for starters, just a, another a little uh, plug for Adam's Dev Chat uh, newsletter. Uh, I've been reading it. I've enjoyed it. Me too. It's uh, it's I'm gonna so since since Adam's the one writing it, I'm gonna talk about it. You know, so that it's less biased. Sure, yeah, do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? uh, but it's very interesting. It's sort of like a it's a combo of just like a sprinkling of things surrounding, sometimes like deep dives into very specific technical things, like JavaScripty things and stuff, uh, but also just some higher level analysis on like things happening in the games industry. Sometimes even just some life stuff, you know. In a lot of ways, it it kind of reflects the, the podcast format, mm-hmm. you know, it's but the, with some more code. Yeah, sometimes. it's the podcast,
0: <laughs> but in written form, and then with fewer things covered. And then some of it uh, without worrying about whether or not the particular reader, like any given particular reader is like, yes, I care so much about that that I want to know the tiniest details, right? Um, Because collectively across all of the newsletters that go out, like there's something in there for you. There's going
1: to be something in there. I got to say, you know, uh, Adam's one of the smartest people I know. Oh, thanks. So so you can just just get his – way of thinking about things shot directly into your email inbox which it's is nice it gives you a nice extra like perspective on stuff you know that you otherwise wouldn't have had which yeah. is good
0: and, yeah and i'm so, also treating it as kind of a way for me to do an initial round of thinking through some problems so i can decide like does this warrant even further thoughts so that i should write up like a like a really in-depth article or something you know um and so yeah so it's a and, and then depending on how people respond to that stuff then that's what else, God? If I'm going to make those things, so so by by participating and then giving me feedback, you can cause certain things to come into the world that otherwise might not exist.
1: Yeah, It's pretty. Uh, so again, that's what is it? Tinybs.co slash devchat. Yep. Yep. So go there, slap your uh, email in there, and then Adam will tell you things yep. about the world. <laughs> yeah. um, let's talk about Crashlands Two development. So so this week um, has been a lot of work on the first creature the slug of buns we talked about it a bit last episode because we were getting started on figuring out like how does it move we yeah, we've about just
0: it. gotten the movement animation done right yeah That's
1: we nice were story. talking about it's like squishy body flopping around movement animation mm-hmm. which, which is still amazing and I love it but what is what's happened this week well so you go from
0: uh, having the thing move to the attack side of things so we think about crash lands uh, you know, the original game the combat stood out for a lot of people as far as it's essentially, I mean, it's more or less a rhythm situation where you got to dodge the incoming uh, attacks that are very clearly displayed, like where they're going to hit. Um, and then get back in there to, to, you know, do some damage to fight people. So in working on the Slugabun's attack, kind of like with its movement, we wanted to do something that provides some surprises. It's kind of like my whole MO with, with all the various elements of Crash Chains 2 is to have each one of them have some emotional valence to them. So it's like, so you don't just see it and just go like, okay. uh, But rather, at (laughs) least the first time you see it, that something happens where you're like, what? Or holy shit. Or, you know, maybe even an awe. You know, anything like that. Mm -hmm. So the Slugabun, I think, pulls this off with its attack. (laughs) which is It's got this gooey sort of stretchy body and it more or less stands up like a meerkat. And then like its jaw just kind of hits hits the floor and it's just got this huge open maw, which is a big surprise because it's very adorable. Uh, there's and there's, there's no state in all of it. So it has a whole bunch of states of being and part of its animations and behaviors, right? There's no one state that when you then see another state, you're like, I expected that to be mm-hmm. a, yeah. <laughs> a follow-on <laughs> yeah. of that first thing. Uh, uh-huh. And so it's, it's yeah, it's very much, uh, it's got a lot of, di- I would say, dy- dynamism as far as, like, what the fuck is happening versus the original, you know, Crashlands uh, creatures didn't really change at all because I didn't know how to do that. We didn't really have the animation tools to do it anyways. We um, might have had, like, an open mouth frame for some of them. Yeah, know, I think that's, that's basically too. the extent of it. Uh, open mouth maybe maybe arms pointed forwards now or something um, <laughs> <laughs> but
1: no no that was me i did that part yeah you did
0: you did all those things so well, i, I, just I, I wiggled once. their arms code. Yep. and coat uh, yep and then i sort of moved on and so what's been interesting though is is you know taking that taking that animation getting it built sort of because it's a combination of frame by frame stuff and then work inside of spine to like really kind of emphasize everything and uh that process with this first creature has then allowed Seth and I to go back to a lot of the spine code that we originally put in place to handle the player character and all of its anim- animation states, which also are zany um, doing all sorts of stuff. And it's been, I, I would say it's been a challenging week for me because of, because of the, the two steps forward, one step back sort of sense of it where, you know, it, we go, we basically go a day and, make what feels like a bunch of progress, discover something the next day about either how game maker handles spine files or how, uh, meshes work or like just any, just any part of the pipeline. And then, uh, that would require a fundamental rebuild either on my side or on Seth's side. Uh, it has happened to both of us, I think at least two times this week. Um, and so just yesterday, then this attack animation, which, which had, you know, has been sort of, (laughs) has taken essentially four days to, to get done, which is a long damn time. Um, but in the course of that too, you know, recognizing that we've we've been figuring out how to do it, which is the big part of, of where we're at right now. Um, it's kind of the cost of this of these early phases. Anytime you go, uh, we refer to it as zero to one, which is there is a monumental difference in in what you have to do to get from zero to one than to get from one to two, and uh, that's sort of what we've been experiencing, I think, on the slugabun front this week yeah Look, yeah and, it, I, and I, I think, think it's, it's particularly imp- hard once you feel like you've moved beyond the research phase because i think yes that's, that's kind of what i gathered from watching the tv work this week was that was that you had kind of felt like oh we figured it out now let's move move ahead and like make this totally make this first creature fully animated get it in the game have it like do all the things uh but the reality was that there were still unanswered questions and so it, it's that pairing of that fact with the idea that you kind of believe that you were in a new phase, like the production yeah, phase. It's an expectation, right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think that's, it's because the, the framing there, Sam was, you know, that you'd said like this week has felt like, you know, two steps forward, one step back. Right. And, and I, I think, I think that really just does come like what Adam was saying. It comes from misinterpreting where you are. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause it actually has been um very good forward movement. You know, it just hasn't – there's been roadblocks and it, it hasn't been at the pace that that you would expect if we were already – if we had already solved all of these mm-hmm. like fundamental problems, right? And so like one of the interesting things we found is that we're using a lot – you know, one of the the key mechanics of original Crashlands is the telegraph system where creatures would, you know, telegraph the attack that they're going to do with a, like a cool shape on the ground or something. So, you know, we're leaning into that with, um, with Crashlands 2 too. And the, the player character has a bunch of telegraphed attacks that they can do. So uh, we have like a sword swing, and the way Sam animated it, there's like a big sweeping uh, smear frame. And it just kind of made it be the case that kind of no matter what shape we made the telegraph for that attack, it still felt good. It felt like it matched, like it fit with the sword attack. Um, and we put it in, we're like, cool, we figured out, we figured out telegraphs, we figured out attacks, we're mm-hmm, good to right. go.
0: With, with your so then, one case study you'd you with again. the one
1: thing we did right and then we go on to the slug bun and we're working on this bite animation and we wanted it to have like a pretty big area of of impact and so Sam's animating the chomp the mm-hmm. slug bun and he made a pretty dramatic smear frame but the smear frame just accentuated the closing of the mouth to make it look like the mouth was closing really fast right and uh when we put it into the game it just felt boring like it was, it was it very felt like it, it wasn't
0: was actually snapping its mouth shut even though it was
1: it was detached right so yeah. so like it was it was closing its mouth and there was a telegraph but mm-hmm. they didn't feel connected at all mm-hmm. right and so so this was the point where you know originally sam was thinking like okay we have an attack i just need to animate the bite and now it's done and we put it in the game It turns out it's not done because we missed something it doesn't feel we like
0: you're being bitten yet so
1: yeah, yeah, so either. we went back and we looked at the player and we were like, how come the player's attacks feel good but the creature's attacks don't? And we were like, oh my god, it's because the player has this enormous sweeping smear frame that is like so big that any shape or size of telegraph all feels connected, right? Yeah. So then Sam went back and was like, okay, I need to rethink how these impact animations work. And so he re- he had to completely rework that whole frame for the, the slug bun, And then it's great. It feels great now, right? Mm-hmm so um, yeah and and I think part of that too is feeling like you've solved a problem just because you've seen it once you've solved it once in a certain context and and now thinking that you've got the full scope Mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. when really there's a lot of angles to it and we're gonna you know we're gonna hit hit these a bunch of times we're gonna keep uncovering these things as we work through other kinds of animations and other things Um, and and you just gotta kind of like be be cognizant and don't if you, if you hit a point where you suddenly recognize, like, oh, actually, it uh, turns out we're not as far ahead as we thought we were, right? Then you got to um, kind of like readjust you your expectations. Yeah. You got to yeah. reset. Well, I think, you know, this
0: speaks to, we talked about it in the, on the podcast before, but the the importance of trying, of remaining in that in that student mindset where you, instead of saying that you know how to do things and that they're going to get done, you know, in this procedural fashion, yeah. this fall, but this fall, but this. Uh, you know, recognize yeah, you can have a plan, uh, but it's far more the thing you're actually working toward is is the target, not it's not about the plan. And so, uh, being able to kind of separate whatever your daily progress might look like from whatever your your planned progress looks like, uh, I do think it's really important. And you're right that it's it's a hard it's a hard thing to do. Uh, I think one if you're if you feel like you already know how to execute something. And then actually two is in the opposite scenario, which is where uh, I think in th- in this case, it both seemed like we knew how to execute something. And then also technically we were doing a bunch of new things, but because we didn't, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't approaching that way where we're like, okay, there's a bunch of new things that are going to happen with this. So like, let's just figure it out. Time well, they is, weren't whatever you know
1: they weren't obviously new things that's the they were similar that's yeah saying. they were similar enough to the things that we've done in the past that we we thought that we were going to have all the answers which you know by now we should know better i think because well but you
0: can't though because the, the, that's the core point is it is that you're always limited by the knowledge you have and most of the stuff that's missing you don't know is missing otherwise you would have made some effort to you know to fill that gap right and and so most of your efforts in this kind of creative endeavor are in moving forward with the things that you think, you know, discovering something that you didn't know that you couldn't possibly have known that you didn't know because you don't otherwise you. you would have. Yep. And then, <laughs> yeah. and then adapting to that scenario. And so, the, so it's, it's a 2 part where it's the moment you just feel like you've got it, then you're just wrong and you're going to, you're leading yourself to being bummed later on. Right. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, you, you have to also be aware that, as a human being, you kind of don't have a choice but to feel like at some point you got it as you start moving forward, right because <laughs> yeah. you don't yet know what you don't have, right, and if you don't have at least some confidence that allows you to move forward, then you just kind of sit there right yeah. and and so in order to go into the unknown right you you have to at least at some level think you've got it figured out and so yeah I think it's it's one of those things that we we've mentioned this sort of concert in the podcast a lot too of like of both accepting a thing for being a fact while also not accepting it right and it's a mm-hmm. it's a it's a hard thing to do it's a, it's the thing that most to be done intellectually you can't even do it emotionally so you have to like allow yourself to have the emotional response while intellectually recognizing what's happening and try to get yourself over that hump right mm-hmm.
1: uh it's a, it's a, it's a complicated affair it's a fine line to walk and you know sometimes you just uh, you get frustrated and yeah you got you got to step back and reorient Mm -hmm. and
0: and just understand it's okay to get frustrated you're a fucking person you're you're a a, you're (laughs) a robot right a meat shaped rope no meat made robot, not sure. A a robot of meat. Uh like you know, like you like all those responses that you're having are just like your robot doing robot stuff, you know? Like that's just like I like how
1: you phrase this as like you're a person. You're a robot. They're
0: the same thing.
1: (laughs) They're the same same thing. thing. Because as a person, when you're trying to do something and it doesn't work, your programming says it's frustration time. Let's do this. (laughs) If yeah if you
0: if you think of yourself as like as oh you're like an entity you know I'm an entity with free will like everything that happens is because I decided it's going to happen. Everything that doesn't happen is because i a failure. And I decided it wouldn't happen. Blah blah. If that's how you see things, like yeah, like you have nothing but despair in front of you, right? It's like a bad <laughs> time. Yeah. Yeah. If you just yeah. if you just recognize that you're a robot doing your best, you're gonna have robot reactor things. There's a whole song for that meme song from a million years ago. It's like I'm just a cat and I'm doing cat stuff. You know, where it's like there's just if you haven't seen it, it's pretty hilarious. But it's just it's just like a <laughs> video of like cats doing weird cat shit. And the whole song, the only line is, like, I'm just a cat and I'm doing cat stuff, right? And, like, any time, like, I'm watching our dumb cats run around the house doing a thing, we're like, why are they doing that? And then, we're, and then I just shrug and say, it's just cat stuff. Who cares, You're right? are just doing cat stuff. People are the same fucking thing. We're just doing people stuff. None of it really makes any sense. It's just it's just weird chemicals in our brains causing us to uh-huh. do stuff and respond to things in certain ways. You just got to accept that that's a fact. And it's okay to be frustrated when you shouldn't be and to be sad when you shouldn't be, When you know when you know better, right? Because— yeah. Because it doesn't matter what you it know. It doesn't matter what you You're know. still gonna feel it. You still <laughs> are. You still are a weird bag of chemicals with like sub autonomous, you know, sub routines doing different things independent of each other. I so. mean, you have two like brains, and then the third one apparently in your gut. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you have you got two lobes, each one's kind of like doing a lot of stuff. You know, you can cut like them in half. The, you can you, you can, can, can them separate them, and like you know, you still have a person when you're done. And when you do weird, and then when you do weird shit like that, like. I don't know if you've heard of those experiments, but like yeah. a person can cover patients, one yeah. eye, right? And they can look at a thing and they can't tell you what it is. And then they can grab it as but if, they can like grab it yep. and they know it's there. But then the but then like the other part of their brain doesn't know why they did that. And like there's just like there's like this weird shit where you're you're not one thing. You're not a like a person is a that's a fake concept, right? You're not an entity with a with a single mind or whatever. You're a collection, you're an operating system, you're a collection of subroutines all doing their best to work together. It's conflict-ridden. You're just doing your best to resolve all these conflicts, right? Like, it's okay. <laughs> Cut yourself <laughs> some if, fucking slack. This is, <laughs> some about, slack. <laughs> yeah, this, well, this is the interesting thing about, I think, uh, you know, therapy and, and even like operating in a, in a really functional uh, studio environment, which is that so much of it is actually just about lending the appropriate tool to a person um, to, to assist with whatever mm-hmm. happens after the emotional response. Mm-hmm. So we've talked about this with frustration for me uh, when it comes to feedback, which is oftentimes, especially uh, in the past, I'd have a very visceral response to, to uh, feedback, and I mean like a like sort of just instant rage sort of a response, right? And it took it basically took years to get to a point where it's not that I don't have that response, but that I can handle it in a, in a way that doesn't cause anything. After like because
1: right, you weren't deciding to have that response exactly. to begin with. So how the hell could you decide to not have
0: Yeah, it? I can't quite like, – <laughs> there's no way I can quite, like, you know, block that flow completely. And so it's all about the, the tooling on, on the backside. Um, and I think, you know, when it comes to the Sluggabon or whatever else, I think part of it is just, you know, with – one of the actually most interesting things that happened when we finally got the animation in and got this new Smear Frame in, so it felt like it was biting, was then I was bummed because fighting the thing wasn't actually – fun because of course all of its all of its fighting code and animation everything else had been tied up on not having any animations for this stuff in the past and so it wasn't balanced actually in a in a way that was super interesting and so it was that sort of hilarious final bummer of being like all right attack animation's done and then like you're being attacked by it and you're like this feels tearing. terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and so then I was yeah, like, "Well, had, here's like seven notes for a It's like fix, you know, make these all. Oh yeah, changes.
1: we but we found this time and time again, right? Because like like Adam was saying, you can only make decisions in the context and knowledge of the decision being made. Yeah. And as soon as any of those things change, you're gonna you can look back at the decision and be like, "Oh no, that was wrong." Right.
0: I know nothing. Or, or, I'm such a disappointment. Yeah
1: yeah and then, and then all you're doing is you're just making another new decision in a new context with some new knowledge that's also probably wrong once you find out some more stuff. And so when we had like a, when we had no animations in the game and we were testing out the interaction system, the way that you knew you were interacting with something was a progress bar that was over mm-hmm. your head. like you walk up to a to a, a I don't know thing and you're, you're going to like slap it or pick berries off it or something, and there would just be a progress bar, and then there would be like a little interface pop- up like plus one berry right? And we kept looking at that, and we were like, these interactions are too slow. Mm-hmm. They're just taking forever, right? So we made them like 0.2 seconds or something. So it's like that progress bar is just like whipping past. you just picking berries so fast. <laughs> like six, you know, six, five, six berries a second. Uh, then once we actually have the character's arms moving, then suddenly picking berries at a rate of five per second seems ludicrous, right? <laughs> yes. Because like, who... <laughs> who's possibly moving their arms that fast? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so then we slowed it down. We slowed it down. We slowed it down. Now it's like a half second, or even slower, to interact with things. And it, and in those cases, it almost still feels too fast sometimes, mm-hmm. right? Because everything's different now. Mm-hmm. But had you done um, that
0: without that animation in there, then that would have felt so ungodly slow. You'd have hated every every moment of it.
1: Yep. Yeah. And so, this is a, a it's a part of our of our development. Style that we've been really trying to lean into more, as well as this idea of like constantly just evaluate the game for where it is, find the fun in that, um, and if if things change, then you know then you look at those things and you reevaluate them and, and tweak them until they're fun again. So with this creature, like getting the animation in, changed everything about how the combat felt. Well, next thing we did, updated all of its combat stuff. Mm-hmm. Now it feels great again, right? So you just got to keep uh, just keep tweaking. So, anyways, things are going pretty good with Crashlands Two. Uh, overall, but yeah, you know, sometimes you just going to run into these little stumbling blocks. So uh, let's get on to some questions. Let's do it. These questions come from our listeners over at podcast.bscotch.net. Highest up question comes from Chalosis, who says, Did y'all discuss third-party networking solutions like Photon when you were exploring multiplayer? What are the trade-offs between in-house versus external lobby servers and such?
0: Mm. Uh, so I, there's a, I think a fairly quick answer to this, which is if you're using a third party. So this is getting at the general question of multiplayer seems to be hard. All the developers are like, no. All the players are like, yes. And then all the Armchair developers who have never actually developed anything that had to go to production are like, I could do this in a weekend, right? <laughs> uh, so mm-hmm. so, well, so that's a wait. good recap of like five episodes of the podcast, right there. Bro. Right. Yeah. So there's this perennial <laughs> conflict between everybody wanting multiplayer and it being really hard to do, and then of course, as a consequence, there are lots of tools out there that are supposed to make your life easier. Uh, so I'm not sure of, what the one specifically that was mentioned here, but is it Photon, uh, photon? So there's also photon. PlayFab, there's Game. Game Rocket or some shit. Yeah, each one's There's solving a, a different subset of your problems, right? But the, but there are a few of these problems that are considered to be like universal enough that they have a lot of kind of off the shelf uh, solutions. In particular, matchmaking and yes. getting people, getting one person's device to talk to another person's device, like so getting that stuff set up. Uh, so that stuff is great; it can be useful. the The obvious major problem, two major problems of it, are number one: uh, often they are not fully cross platform. Um, so even if, if you do have a, if you have a cross-platform title, there's a good chance you can't just use one off-the-shelf solution, which means right. now you're doing a fuckload of work because you have to pick So the you can't, like,
1: uh, make, like, use Steam's matchmaking right, service. Right, because Steam so has things. great
0: services. Uh, Epic is working on their own service. Although I don't think Epic's going to open theirs up more mm. generally, but... Uh, I think Epic but, is available for cross-platform stuff now. I think it is, think, yeah. yeah. Um, but Steam's is very... Steam, right? Uh, and they're great yeah. services, but it's only going to work Steam to Steam. Um and, uh, and so, yeah, so, so you can't – count. So that's problem number one is you can't know – depending on the tool, you can't know for sure where it's going to work. Uh, problem number two is if there's something specific you need that the tool does not provide, mm-hmm. the problem got very hard, right? Because now you have to make it work with that tool and it's limitations. But you often can't tell how the tool works. Right. By design, because it's supposed to be easy to use, right? And and you're supposed it's to have limited ability. Box. to say It's a black box, and you're supposed to have limited ability to do stuff. So if you're doing stuff that's that's pretty straightforward, that's a kind of a very common use case. Um, there's a good chance that there's some off-the-shelf solution for you that can help with these subsets of problems, uh, without also getting in your way, right? Uh, so as kind of a random example, something that I've dealt with with not with multiplayer, but just with online stuff, is that there are many things that provide solutions for logging in because logging in is an ass pain, like managing user accounts, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. Um, and I've had, I've been asked in the past, like, why didn't why didn't you use like because like Microsoft has one through I think it's through PlayFab, uh, and then Google has one through Firebase, where you can then like everyone's got right, their everyone's got brand. their thing, right? Mm-hmm. Back when we were getting ready to launch Levelhead, um, nobody. None of those big providers had Epic as one of the options. We launched Level on Epic, also Crashlands on Epic at the same time. Right? Uh, we would have had to then suddenly just not provided Epic as a login option for our service because we couldn't have used it with the thing that we had. Right? the The problem, of course, is that I had to build it myself. Right? Which is also unpleasant, but it was possible, and so that's what this kind of stuff grants you. So the the big, the major point here being that is depending on what you're trying to do, and you need to know what you're trying to do. Uh, and how much, how much uh, options you need, and whether it's important for the thing to already be, be ready, because you can't afford to make it yourself or don't want to because it's a lot of work and it's a thing you have to maintain now. It's very costly. Uh, Verse. So if you can do it with something off the shelf, that's going to be probably the better no, way. It's to Always do it. the best. Yeah. It's a big yeah. if. It's actually much more of a big if than it seems like. oftentimes. Yeah. I and it is. It's likely better to design your game and your and your. Multiplayer strategy around existing tools, yes. Then vice versa. That's usually yes. a better idea. So, so there's all of that. So that, that's one part of this. But the other part of the puzzle, which is the more important one, which is that that stuff that that like off the, the stuff you can get off the shelf uh, is also the stuff that isn't the hardest part. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So, it's a hard part. It's a hard part because it's all the hard part, <laughs> right? But it's not the hardest part. The hardest part is how do you manage player sessions. Right, mm-hmm. and what does it mean for data to be being moved back and forth? What kind of a model do you need to know what data is going where? How does each individual game client manage the data coming in? How does it how does it know what's supposed to be happening? Because when you're doing a multiplayer game, every piece of information you get is both in the past and incomplete, right? And it's variably both of those things because there's jitter across a network in terms of time. So. It's not just that. Oh yeah, I'm just like 200 milliseconds behind. It's you're 200 milliseconds behind on average, right? Uh, that's what's actually happening. And so, so dealing with that, then in the context of your specific game, yeah, there's that's not going to be part. an off the shelf. There's not an off the shelf solution for that, that. right? Yeah. There are tools that can help mm-hmm. you and make certain pieces of it a lot easier, like things that make it easy to just have have your game talk to a server right or to have it's like amazon game tech has this cool stuff for like making fleets of servers running your your uh your game server logic right um they have a whole bunch of expectations about what that means for you and so again you'd have to design around it if you wanted to use such a thing um but they they fix a problem for you which is that if you're making a multiplayer game with servers you have to be able to scale it and it's expensive Mm -hmm. And orchestrating that across regions, so you now you have like one pool in, you know, North U.S. America. East and another one in Europe and another one in, in China if you can come up with a publishing partner up there because that has to go through you know partners. It's a huge administrative problem. It's a problem. huge huge administrative problem. problem. Yeah, and so so you can use these providers to solve that part of the problem like very effectively for you. But still, the thing that they don't do is say, what does it mean for this game to be multiplayer? What does that actually mean? How does the data move? Like what is it, what does this do? Uh, that's the hard part. So if you can do off-the-shelf stuff for all the rest, fuck yeah. Like, do it if you can get away with it. Um, But you still are left with the fact that you now you need a game that two people can play or more that makes sense when two or more people play it and also makes sense when only one person plays it, hopefully, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And where when data goes missing or when somebody lags out or when basically when any of the millions of things that can now happen between two people over a network... uh, it, the consequences make sense. Everything has to make sense the whole time. Like that's that's yep. what's hard.
1: Yeah. And I mean it's and it's hard no matter what resources you have. Yeah, it doesn't you, matter, right? Because actually so so I uh, I raid with my wow guild on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Okay. On Tuesday, for whatever reason, only inside the raid area, it's like you you basically zone into this area and it's like a it's an inst- instantiated dungeon for you and your friends. Right. It's like no other people from the outside world can see into here. So it's almost like it's on its own sessions. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, yeah,
0: yeah, with it, yeah. When they do those instance things, it literally is that it's like, it's a separate sort of instance of the game that has its own data, right. It's yeah. own communication and all that kind of stuff. And it, and it doesn't talk to the rest.
1: And so on Tuesday this week, um, something was going wrong with the, uh, the dungeon servers that handle these mm. sessions and they were sending updates in one second pulses instead of continuously. Oh. So you'd be trying to fight this boss and like, you may have gotten hit by something really bad, like three quarters of a second ago, but you didn't know it. <laughs> and then suddenly you've teleported 16 feet to the right and you're almost dead. Or like the boss will be like doing something and suddenly it teleports through a wall because it actually went around the wall real quick, but you didn't, you know, you didn't know that. And so mm-hmm. now it's on your face. Uh so like we we struggled with that for like a half hour trying to kill a boss that normally was very easy. We managed to kill it and then we had to just cancel the rest of the raid because we're like, there's no there's no fucking way. <laughs> and then so that's this is, you know, a multi-billion dollar company with all the resources they have for their servers. They've and they've been d- doing this for twenty And they've been doing this for t- mm-hmm. they, their thirty remember. year anniversary was yeah. this year. Uh, and then on Thursday, while we're raiding World of Warcraft running super great, Discord crashes. Mm. and so ha- but only for half of us and so then half of us are raiding in complete silence with no with no way to communicate with uh, our teammates and it was like people were just popping in and out of discord uh at some point like suddenly discord just full screened itself onto my computer and just said 502 bad gateway and i'm like shit alt tab You're like so i don't yeah. um and again discord this is their whole thing right yeah. and it's like managing these things in a way that creates a reliable experience and it, and like most of the time, these these services work amazingly, like ninety nine point nine nine plus percent of the
0: time. It's just right? that time is which really is long. an amazing feat. Like it's
1: amazing
0: because this is because um, to me this is the most important thing. This is why the arm the arm the armchair devs this is the, this is the why they drive you crazy. It's not even because they're wrong. It's because it also takes away the acknowledgement of how impressive it is when yeah. somebody makes a really truly good and reliable multiplayer experience. Um, especially once you scale it up to like an MMO where you have to manage not just cause like, cause when you're doing session based stuff, like for a, like a first person shooter where you like go play a 10 minute match, it's like or Fortnite like, or Apex legends. Yeah. Know. Like one of those things. Those are literally infinitely easier to build uh, and for production. Right. Um, because of the fact that you get to assume that any given like group of people playing together will be done within 20 minutes or whatever it is, right? So you, you, you literally have to build your whole architecture around how long people play in a given session. When in an MMO, you've got Boy. thousands, tens of thousands of people playing, sometimes for hours, even dozens of hours at a time, in different groups and moving around the whole fucking world. And the world has to be broken up in ways too, where each part of the world is on a separate server also to manage all of this. But also and there's no load seem- screens. Yeah, you just seamlessly the move <laughs> people and data between all these things. Like the amount it's amazing. the complexity and the amount of like just amazing work that goes into something like that actually seeming like nothing interesting is happening, right? Is fucking incredible. And it's a huge discount to think like, oh yeah, I can just like buy an off-the-shelf product and get this thing to work, right? Or I can I can get on my local machine, I can get two copies of my game talking to each other. So how hard could it right? be? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll say though, I, I think kind of coming back to when we talked about how we decided, you know, not to do multiplayer. Um it it does come back to that idea of like if you're going to make a multiplayer game, think about the resources you have. Mm-hmm. Think about think about what you've got at your disposal and then maybe design the game with those in mind, well, I think it's right? it's the difference so, between
0: making a making a game multiplayer and, and making a multiplayer, multiplayer. game. Yes, yeah. and I think yeah. there's – so yeah. There's, yeah, it's very easy to accidentally swap those or get some sort of uh, you know some some heart eyes about it, you know, where you're like, I just, like, I mean, we did, we just gotta, we just gotta yeah. do it because it'd be so cool. It is uh, cool, yeah, it, it is cool. cool. But yeah, you have to you have to ask the question like, is it actually is it required for the for the game to function? And is it worth the cost If the, the answer cost? is no, then like it's probably not worth the cost Like it's, it's almost so never worth the to cost It's the cost of the cost Honestly, the cost of the game is the like really designed for it to make sense, be easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, especially nice. if like peer to peer can work. Because if you can pull it off, if it's a PC only game, cost only the cost of the cost of the cost of the peer of peer You're not paying for servers, or you don't even have to worry about servers. It's just not Mm -hmm. even a thing you have to deal with. Yeah, that's your ideal scenario, basically. That's your ideal scenario, and where you don't care about lag, because you're like, whatever. If people want to connect to each other from Australia and the United States, like, fucking let them. That's their problem now. That's their problem now. I don't care. And
1: also, you don't care about cheaters, because people are deciding who they connect to. So if they connect to a hacker, then like, well, that's their problem. (laughs) And now you're not dealing about
0: data storage, because the data is not being... It's like, you might be doing cloud saves, but that's actually just them making a copy of the game they played locally and you just uploading a, a static copy, a file, inside, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, versus like if you're running an MMO or something like something where you have the server, you know how you're dealing with the data. The data it lives on the server now. it's being continuously backed up and to make sure that nothing gets lost and that if there are any conflicts it gets dealt with because it can have really bad long term consequences. You have to worry about cheating. Like the, the list goes on and on and on. So yeah, if you can use off the shelf products and do peer to peer and you have a really good reason for doing it in the first place, then Go for it. You can do great. It actually isn't that big of a deal. But as soon as you go beyond that set of things, uh, it turns into uh,
1: Just a waking just nightmare. Just a
0: horrible nightmare. Yeah. All
1: right. Next question comes from Bam182 who says, you're coming up on episode 300. Yes. 300 is a perfect game of bowling. In your opinion, are there any perfect games oh. in the video game world? Not to blow smoke, but I can't think of a single thing to complain about when it comes to Crashlands. A loved star. every minute of it and can't wait for the sequel. It's just a little plug for Crashlands 2 there from, from you know, I'm a yeah. fan. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: I can think of lots of things wrong with Crashlands. but
1: Me too. Uh,
0: <laughs> <Adam> <laughs> <missed>. Well,
1: <laughs> there are perfect games for you.
0: Exactly. Because yep. right? there's no such thing as something <laughs> just being wrong, right? Or wrong with or whatever. Those are just personal opinions, you know? Mm-hmm. So if you just get the right intersection of a thing and a person and their opinions, then it could be perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So where is, and this over is, is a, it over that It's a
1: definitional problem as I see it, right? Because, like, mm-hmm. I love Kerbal Space Program. I love it. Yep. I haven't played it in years. Years. Probably mm-hmm. it been three years since I played Kerbal Space Program. Um, But when I was playing it, I put 400 hours into it.
0: Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. But do you have to continue uh, playing it forever for it to be a perfect thing?
1: Well, that's the question of I definitions, right? Like what's the threshold? Because because I I started playing World of Warcraft in 2004 and I I still play it. I've tons of friends, it's my number one hobby. Um and I would say maybe it's,
0: But of, it's got a lot of flaws, right? So like mm-hmm. what's the well, I think what's about the, it like uh think about it like loving stuff because I think the the perfection thing is the problem here, right? Yes. It's just too loaded But the question of like which games have you loved That's a good easy one Because you can love something despite Whatever bullshit it's got going on Or because of it sometimes And a lot of it's timing based too Because uh, otherwise you have to get into the definition of like what the fuck Perfect means in this context which... I think there's, Yeah I think there's also maybe, maybe the way I think about it is not even about whether you like it or not but Because that is one way we could do it And another way though is to say uh, Does it pull off What it's trying to do Right, mm-hmm. so, so for me, like, I would take something like a short hike. Yeah. Right? Oh yeah. Fucking like, what it's trying to do? Fucking nailed. Fucking it. Like, nailed it. It would be, it would be, it would be extremely difficult for anything to accomplish what it did to the same degree of success. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, something like Left for Dead. Yep. Nailed it. Fucking like, yeah, it's like a, yeah, a-, yeah, a- yeah, yeah. 4 eight, 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 four-player yeah. co-op. So no, no, sure, Vermintide right? is basically Left for Dead again, but you know, also very yeah. good.
1: Yeah, so shot. maybe maybe uh, yeah, maybe yeah, the way to think about it is just like what games just really just nailed it? Like whatever they were going for just, just nailed
0: it. it. Yeah, because I Kerbal Space so Program is one of those too. They fucking nailed it, right? Mm-hmm. Like they, they're trying to create for you the sense of like building a space program or going to space and like the challenge of doing it and the engineering thing is responsible and like the successes and the failures and how it's mostly failure. when. Like they yeah. created the whole thing and they just nailed it. So I think there's it. actually a lot of examples uh, mm-hmm. if you take that kind of a definitional approach to
1: yeah. it. And, and and I think that's something you'll always find when you read critical reviews of games, is it's always 8 out of 10. It's always 9 out of 10. Oh, yeah.
0: Your 10 out of you 10s know? only go to basically a tri- triple-level experience.
1: Trip right? 10 out of 10s only go to remakes of old games.
0: <laughs> that's know? true, yeah. Oh, or or true.
1: games in uh, the th- 16th game in an already existing franchise, because you're primed to already love everything about it, you know?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But... Yeah, if you just think about it, like, did this game, is it obvious what they were trying to do? And did they, and nail did it? they nail it? Do you, right? And do, and do they they like, interest, sure, there's, there's going to be nitpicks. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. going to be, there's going to be little like
0: weird things. But and flaws do they take away, like, right? From, from the Enough fact that they nailed it. From the fact <laughs> that they nailed it to even matter. Cause I would actually, I would, I would actually bet that if you took that kind of approach to thinking about uh, rating games, that the gulf would be bigger, right? Yep. Where – where now instead of being like, oh, like this was overall fun, it's very pretty and whatever, I'm going to give an 8 out of 10 because there wasn't anything obviously bad about it, right? The right, question. but did they nail it though? But did they nail it? Versus then if something nailed it, you're like, <laughs> but I didn't like this one piece, so I'm going to knock it two much. points off, right? It mm-hmm. doesn't matter because the question is just, did it nail it, right? And I think if you if you rated things in that way, I think it would be, because the, 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 the fall into that question is like, did they nail it? And then after that, is this the kind of thing I'd be interested in?
1: Yeah, and those are really, I think, two only important questions. Yeah, and they're
0: separate, right? Because if you're rating how well it nailed it in in relation to how much you care about what they nailed, then that's where you start taking away points for no fucking reason, right? Mm -hmm. And in in a way that isn't useful for other people. But if instead you can articulate like, here's what this game is trying to do, therefore who is it for? Uh, And here's how well it pulls that off, right? Did they nail it? Did they nail it? This is why Cyberpunk, for example, did not nail it. They didn't nail it. No. You know? (laughs) They just didn't nail it.
1: Nope. Maybe yeah. If the rating system was just nailed it or whiffed it, you know, like, <laughs> right? That's mm-hmm.
0: yeah. So because yeah, I'd say like there's a whiff to a nail range. I'm not sure it's what's binary, there, but
1: it's not even dumb. it's not even recommend or not recommend. Because I don't know you. I don't know if you should play this game. All I mm-hmm. know is what is this game? And Did they nail it or did they not? Because
0: <laughs> it could be anything. It doesn't matter how. Does it Doesn't matter like scope. Doesn't like none of it matters. Right? It's just like it doesn't even matter what they were going for as long as it wasn't something that did they horrible, nail it though? Right? It's just did they nail it? How small? Like, yeah. Just doesn't matter. So what, yeah what, who else nailed it? Who else it? Yes. Rimworld. Rimworld fucking Rimworld nailed, it. nailed it. Rimworld nailed it. They did. It just mm-hmm. fucking nailed it. Rocket League nailed it. They like slay the spire, you know. Mm-hmm. Slay and the spire Master, nailed Monster it. train which is sort of in that. Golf with your friends nailed it. Mm-hmm. Nailed it. Subnotica, what the golf nailed it. also nailed it. Uh-huh. What
1: the golf. Yeah. I, don't, I mean I it's it's I could tell what they were going for and it's a weird thing to go for. But they yeah, did it. But they nailed it. A weird choice, <laughs> but impressive execution, you know? One yeah. Of those. Stardew Valley nailed it. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know? Flappy Bird nailed it.
0: Flappy, Flappy did. Bird did. I mean,
1: it, it wasn't like they weren't, he wasn't going for a
0: lot. But it doesn't matter. The thing but, he was going for. Well, maybe that's, maybe that's the note here, which is that, you know, when it comes to your design decisions about your game, it's, you know, it's, it's standard to think of big, flashy stuff. But really, at the end of the day, you just got to ask yourself the question, like, what can I nail? Can I nail? <laughs> and then at the end of the day, like, does this help me nail it or not? Yeah. I'll having say. less stuff that you just do a better job of is this it's thing usually a little better. Bit, yeah. That's a little bit about a short hike is a short hike actually also has sort of, uh, it's, it's, a game that isn't simple. It feels like it is because it's short yes. because, but it, there's actually, it would be very hard to build a game like that. So, yeah. you know, so, so true kudos to having done it. That said, it still is a small scope game. Right. Mm-hmm. and, and, relatively speaking, there's, it, it feels like there's not a lot going on, which again, isn't quite true, but it feels like that's what's going on. Uh, but it just, just fucking does it though. Like it just, it just does it, uh, so successfully. Yeah. I don't
1: know. Yeah. And the thing is like this, I'm I'm really getting behind this rating system (laughs) because (laughs) this also sidesteps a lot of other dumb conversations like Firewatch. Is it a game? Is it a walking simulator? Mm-hmm. I don't care what it is. Did they
0: nail it? They did. Did they, they nail did. it? Yeah, Whatever they, they were
1: going for, did they nail it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Let, now, now you just tell me if they nailed it, and I'll decide <laughs> if I like the concept. Yeah. Right?
0: <laughs> and <laughs> then I'll play it if I want to. And, and this is actually <laughs> yeah, this is, this is a big <laughs> system, too, because I was watching – I was telling Sam and Seth uh, earlier, but I was, I was watching a YouTube video. Uh, a guy did a really in-depth analysis of the old game – uh, our show was called pro no pathologic you said. pathologic mm-hmm. uh the second one came out recently also, but the old one was from like two thousand and four uh, The whole thing is really about how they nailed it right mm-hmm. uh, now now that i 'm thinking about it in these terms, but in in explaining that, it had to be explained in the context of what they were trying to do and who it was for, right mm-hmm. because that is a game that unambiguous oh, after watching that that show, I do not want to play and have absolutely no interest in playing, I would have a horrible time playing. I would hate every second of it, uh-huh. but I'm convinced that they nailed it. I'm 100% convinced <laughs> that they did and that they're – and I get that there are people who would love it and they would love it because they nailed it and it's the kind of thing that they're into, <laughs> right? Uh-huh. And yeah, I think this is, this is a good It's a good system. It's all you need. Mm-hmm.
1: What were they? What were the developers going for and did they nail it?
0: Yeah. That's uh, it. And that doesn't even mean that anybody wants to play it, right? Correct. <laughs> yeah. It's just, yeah, because
1: that's not even. Best, that's I not mean, as question. a reviewer, that's not up to you. Yeah. To decide whether people want to play the game, That's true. Yeah, mm-hmm. And the whole Crossing. idea, <laughs> of, man,
0: t- yeah, exactly. Yeah, the whole idea of like a reviewer's job being to sort of, in effect, recommend to you, right, or to like distill for the universal public, like how, how presumptuous. Good.
1: Yeah. You don't know me, reviewer. Yeah, it's wild. Doesn't you don't know sense. me. <laughs> you can't tell me what I what, what I should play. Just tell me if they nailed it. All right, so some someone of our listenership needs to figure out how to make this be. I'm not. I mean, I'm not going to do it. I'm busy. That's but, got stuff
0: to work. We got stuff to nail.
1: Make this a thing. Make I don't know, make a site where you just say like sum up what the developers were going for, but if you can tell.
0: Well, and whether if you they nail it, I think usually you don't even. They're not nailing it. If you that can't, anything, if you you can't
1: tell them, they didn't. Then they didn't nail it.
0: You know. This is why I think so, sometimes you see a game with, with weird graphics or, like, hilariously rigged 3D models and stuff. I was watching that uh, Phantasmophobia. Phan- Phantasmophobia? Or no. Phasmophobia. Yeah, there's something. The one whatever. where you do ghost hunting? That one? Yeah, you do ghost hunting. That yeah. game is glitchy as fuck. Like, just mm-hmm. hilariously glitchy. Uh, <laughs> it but does it doesn't matter. fucking matter because they nailed it, actually. It's like an look. <laughs> Ark is the same deal. Ark is probably the glitchiest game I've ever played. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, like, yeah, did did that, like, pull me out of a few moments? And, like, was sure. it yeah. hilarious? Sure. Yeah. All those things are true. But it doesn't matter for the overall impact of the game, which was that they fucking nailed the experience of, like, you suddenly are in dinosaur times and you get to, like, try to deal with it. <laughs> you know, deal with it. Uh, it's just <laughs> as horrible as it would be in real life. You know?
1: Um Yeah. But in a way that nailed it—not in, <laughs> it. in
0: a bad way. This yeah. is a good. It's a good way to orient our, our design, uh, our designs around Crashlands as well. You know, yeah, because so I think that's part of the reason people people vibed with the original was because it was doing a particular. Even though we couldn't figure out how to talk about it, um, we couldn't talk about what was nailing it for some reason. But it definitely was doing its job effectively. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, well, I think it's it's that. People want to be able to put things into a into a box, like you want to be able to categorize things, right? Right. And so, if you have a game that's doing a lot of different things that don't necessarily neatly fall into a predefined set,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right, of genre, then you don't you, know, you don't have a word for it, right? So people would call Crashlands a survival game, which I think survival is the clo- action it,
0: crafting RPG that was my favorite. Yeah. yeah.
1: And I think like a survival game is the closest. Thing You could say that it is it because there's open world uh, gathering and, and crafting, but there's no there's survival, survival. game, <laughs> <laughs> which is sort of the core thing that survival games are supposed to be about, yep. right? Of like, of, of scraping by in like a, a difficult, barren wasteland, right? Which is not what Crashlands is, <laughs> uh, but you know, close enough.
0: It's a survival game. Yeah. yeah, I always wanted to use the sort of thrival term, but it's just so just it's legal, so confusing. weird. Yeah. yeah, but
1: if you if you look at the different things that Crashlands is doing, uh, from like the combat to the crafting to the leveling system to the questing, you know, whatever it is, um, I, I think it does a pretty good job mm-hmm. of of the things that it tries to do. Uh, of course, we can do better. Yeah, we, but we Yeah, but it, but the key is was it wasn't even the about questions. how well it did
0: those things, <laughs> it was that those were all in service to the thing it was trying to nail, right? Which was mm-hmm. to be a joyful experience that is mostly you hanging out, doing things that are fun and chill, punctuated by exciting moments without drudgery, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was like, that was the whole thing we were going for, and we did it. Yep. Doesn't mean that's yeah. what you want, right? As the player, but. Is, exactly. We did get we did. game of the year, so I guess we we can say we nailed it. We did. Someone can say we did. Someone can.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Someone did. So, yeah. So, all right. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. Thank you all for, for listening. We'd like to thank our producers, Fat Barn and Jen Costa, for putting the podcast together. And thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord running. To get more involved in the Butterscotch community, just go to podcast.bscotch.net. And of course, again, you can also sign up for. The Dev Chat newsletter, tinybs.co slash devchat It's good. Uh, Over at podcast.bscotch.net. We also have links to the Discord, a way for you to donate, and links to the podcast archives as well. So thank you all for listening, and we will see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.